0: You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bars Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar.
1: Welcome to the Florida Bars Legal Fuel Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm so glad you are joining us. This is Jamie Moore. I'm a practice management advisor at the Florida Bar and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our studio in Tallahassee, Florida. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. Have you ever considered starting your own law practice? it's an appealing question. Imagine being your own boss, setting your own schedule, and only accepting cases that you are excited about. There are certainly a lot of pros to starting your own practice, but for every pro, there are also several cons to consider. You will need to obtain a business license, decide between locating office space or being virtual, purchase insurance, hire support staff, or handle all the day-to-day business operations, including billing, bookkeeping, and appointment scheduling. Even though starting your own practice may seem overwhelming at first, many lawyers are up for the challenge and find running a solo practice very gratifying. In fact, 50% of lawyers in the United States are solo practitioners. For some lawyers, starting your own practice from square one and watching it grow is a rewarding experience. Joining us today to discuss what it's actually like to start and manage a solo practice is Christina Alonso of Alonzo Appeals. Christina Alonzo of Alonzo Appeals is board certified in appellate practice by the Florida Bar. She handles appellate litigation in state and federal courts. She has handled over 100 appellate matters, including matters before the Supreme Court of the United States, the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, the Florida Supreme Court, and all Florida District Courts of Appeals. She also works as an integral part of trial teams, having served as counsel at over 25 trials. Her work includes providing litigation support, including ensuring that issues are preserved for appellate review. And drafting and arguing complex pretrial motions, case positive motions, jury instructions, and post trial motions. Her work also includes developing innovative strategies for new and evolving theories of liability, representing individuals and corporations in high stakes litigation, managing national and statewide litigation, and providing appellate consulting services to trial counsel. Her experience spans various practice areas such as complex business litigation, constitutional and civil rights mass tort litigation, and products liability. She was honored by the Daily Business Review as the most effective lawyer in appellate practice of 2014 and as one of the most effective lawyers of 2009 in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. She was recognized by the National Law Journal as one of the 40 minorities under 40 of 2011. She also received the Florida Diversity Council's 2012 Breaking the Glass Ceiling Award, Was named a top lawyer in the South Florida Legal Guide 2013 through 2022 and was selected for inclusion in Florida Super Lawyers 2013 through 2022. Christina currently serves as the chair elect of the solo and small firm section of the Florida Bar and as an appointed member of the Board of Governors. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for being here. We're very excited to have you. So let's jump right in. Christina, can you tell our listeners what motivated you to start your own practice? And did you have a mentor to help you along the way?
0: Well, I decided uh, to start my solo practice because I was not feeling completely fulfilled um, when I was at my firm. And I really wanted to have more of a work-life balance mm. and the freedom really to choose the clients and types of matters that I wanted to work on.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that we hear a lot is just work-life balance and and that can be hard if you're, can I ask you, were you at a large firm previously or how big of a firm were you at before you started your own practice? Yes.
0: I was uh, at a national law firm, Carlton Fields, for 14 years. Oh, wow. I started as an associate and eventually became an equity partner.
1: Okay. So you were you were doing that for quite a while. So it, it wasn't something that you just jumped right into wanting to run your own practice. You had given it a lot of thought, I'm sure. Yes, I
0: definitely did. It, it was a few years of thinking about it, and I really struggled with my decision. Because I learned a great deal at my firm, I had developed friendships with my partners, and I enjoyed mentoring the associates. It, it was really a phenomenal firm to sort of grow up in, if, if you will. Um, so I, I and I really do, frankly, owe my solo practice now to the experience and the relationships that I built while I was at Carleton Field
1: okay yeah that's that's great did you have um a mentor that helped you or anyone from your your previous firm that kind of like helped guide you or anyone that you knew that maybe they had already started their own solo practice that kind of gave you some tips
0: um well, I had definitely mentors at my firm that helped me along with developing my experience and my practice and relationships uh, with clients and and I'd say i had I had more than one I had a group of them. But I didn't have any one person in particular that helped me transition to a solo practice. I mostly had friends who in, in the years just prior to my going on my own also left their firms to go on their own and, and they inspired me. Frankly, uh, Liz McCoslin in Orlando, um, is one of those, uh, attorneys and Paige Greenlee in Tampa and they were able to start very successful solo practices transitioning from their law firm and really were the the inspiration and and the support for me to make the decision to transition and go on my own.
1: That's I mean that's great. I think it just for those thinking about doing their own practice just hey, reach out to you know those that have already started it and just kind of even if it's just support that sounds like it's you know very important and, and encouragement can you Yes, definitely. For sure. Um can you discuss any initial challenges you had when starting your solo practice and looking back is there anything you would have done differently?
0: I have to say I was very very fortunate uh when I made the decision to go on my own in terms of the support that I received uh, from other attorneys that I've known and had a relationship with and worked with for a long time. Um, and once I decided to go on my own, you know, one of the very first things that I did was send out an email to my contacts to let them know I was starting my own firm. And from that very first email, I had folks reach out and refer matters to me right away and get me involved uh, with some of their cases. So I have to say that I, I was really lucky in that regard, mm-hmm. uh, because when I did go on my own, I, I didn't have a book of business. Um, I just sort of made the decision uh, to go on my own, and I actually took some time off. Uh, after leaving the, the firm to sort of regroup and uh, plan out exactly what type of a practice I wanted to have and what I wanted my firm uh, to look like. So I did take a few months to do that before I made the announcement that I was on my own. Uh, but it was pretty immediate in terms of making the announcement that the firm was up and running to my receiving the work. So I really can't say that there was anything that I would have done differently. I think everything sort of just
1: panned out for me. That's, I mean, that's wonderful. Um, and that really, that kind of ties into my, my next question. I mean, you mentioned you took off several months. Um, did you plan this all on your own or did you, or did you have anyone help you with those initial, initial planning stages? Did you pull in like an accountant or, have anyone help you divide uh, develop that business plan? I
0: pretty much did it on my own. I always had a business plan uh, going back to being at Carlton Fields. I had a marketing mentor who helped me with a business plan uh, for my practice there. And so I already knew how to put one together. And I worked on that in the months that I took off. I did look at resources that the... Florida bar solo and small firm section had, uh, in order, you know, to, to figure out the, the technicalities of how to set up my firm and so forth. I have a good friend, um, who helped me set up the business with a tax attorney and I already had an accountant. Um, so they all sort of, uh, helped me in terms of advising me, but ultimately I sort of just, uh, did it on my own.
1: Okay. Yeah. But definitely having a business plan, I think is for sure, just super important, you know, laying it out. And it sounds like you took a lot of time just to really, you know, think about how you were going to go about everything. So the Florida Bar, we get a lot of questions, you know, into the practice resource center. People will call that are interested in, you know, starting their own practice. And they always ask us, you know, do I need to incorporate? And, you know, we tell them, you know, the Florida Bar does not require members to incorporate, but we we certainly recommend it. Did you decide to in- incorporate? And um, if so, what corporate structure did you go with? And by that, I mean, did you register as like an LLP or a PA, you know, PA, a professional association or PLLC?
0: I registered a PLLC, Christina Alonso, PLLC, and then also the fictitious name Alonso Appeals, which mm-hmm. is what I practice under.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that was based on the, the advice of um, a friend of mine who's a, who's a tax attorney. Okay. I registered also as an S corporation, okay, for tax purposes.
1: Did you like have any? Just curious. Did was there any particular reason that you wanted to go in that direction versus one of the other um, options?
0: Well, at the time, I still wasn't sure if I wanted if I was going to remain as simply a solo practitioner or if I was going to grow, and so I wanted to to be set up in a way that would allow me. Uh, to grow. And um, that would already set me up in terms of taxes uh, and, and so forth. And so it's just basically a decision that I made based in, in, consulting, like I said, with my tax attorney and my accountant.
1: Okay. Yep. So again, for anyone listening, you know, we do have information on our website, legalfield.com uh, more information on, on these different types of corporate structures you know, for sure, there are a lot of details that you have to handle when you open a new practice. How long did it take for that initial setup of your, of your practice? I mean, once you've, you know, you figured out your corporate structure, but other things, you know, registering for maybe your EIN or employer identification number, how long of a, a time was that from when you first started that to where you got all of that set up?
0: It it was just a matter of days. It it really wasn't something that that was time consuming at all. Um, I would say that before you register um, your PLLC or your PA, however you decide to do it, what I suggest is that you settle on your website domain name uh, because you want to make sure that you don't register your PLLC and PA and then it's snapped up. And then when you want to register, the domain is not available. That was a great tip that I received mm-hmm. and that I am passing on. So in that time that I took off, um, one of the things that I just thought that I really focused on was branding, marketing and my website and what I wanted the website to be. I went ahead and purchased the domain Christina Alonso Dot com as well as alonsoappeals.com. I settled on Alonso Appeals because I did a little bit of research on SEO and the kind of searches that people tend to do in Florida when they're looking for an appellate practitioner. Mm-hmm. And um, that seemed like the, the best um, domain name for me would be Alonso appeals. And then, of course, I wanted my name uh, to be uh, protected. And so um, I went ahead and did that. I designed my website so that it was immediately ready to go live uh, as soon as I sent out the announcement for my firm. And I had the announcement ready, which I had already prepared. So I did all of that. Before I even registered my PLLC, and you know, fulfilled all those technicalities, and got my occupational license from the county, and and so forth.
1: Okay, I love that. I mean, that's that's a great tip to um, to take care of all of that, and that kind of lays like the foundation, you know, for when you're handling all of the other things. So, I think that is a fantastic tip to anyone that's that's considering that and it sounds like you um so you you're, you were you were the sole person to get your website going did you have anyone um help design that for you because you have a fantastic website so did you help, have anyone help you with that or how did you go about getting all of the content and and everything uh designed
0: well, I I did it all on my own, so thank you. I appreciate yeah. that you liked it because I I did put a lot of thought into it. Um, I used Wix. dot com. Okay. Um, that that was my the easiest one that I saw. Um, I, I tested out various different sites that there are now that you can use to set up a website, and I thought that that one was the most Mm user-friendly. I personally don't really have a technology background, did not know anything about web design, did not know anything about putting a website together other than I knew what my bio looked like at my former firm, and I knew what I would like my website to look like. So I just went on to Wix.com. I used their AI, Artificial Intelligence feature, Mm -hmm. where you can pick a template, and answer some questions and create the website on your own. So I did it completely on my own, which I absolutely love because yeah. it's, it doesn't really cost a lot. I, it's like 200 and some dollars, I think, a year uh, for Wix to host it. And I can easily edit it when I need to, and keep it updated on a regular basis. And I have full control of it. I don't have to worry about paying any exorbitant prices and so forth. Um, so, you know, and I had the time in those months to to really figure out how I wanted it to look and set it up. Okay. Now I know some people maybe don't feel as comfortable. Doing that, so you could always hire someone through either Wix or you know another uh, platform uh, to create the the website for you. Uh, but I do think it's it's important to figure out, you know, what all your needs are in terms of the website. Um mine is pretty simple. I I don't have I and I don't need for clients, for example, to schedule appointments with me or to pay me through the website and that sort of thing. Maybe something like that might be a little bit more complicated to put together. Uh but but what I have I found to be very very easy. Uh, to design
1: and edit. Okay. I love that. So it's you said it's Wix.com. Is at W I C K S dot com? We're gonna put all these links on our webpage. So I just wanted to make sure I have that correct. It's W I X dot com. Oh, W I X dot com. Okay. That's great advice. And um, you know, because I know a lot of people, they that's that's something that they get hung up on and they're not sure how how do I get my website going. And you know, I do know like, you know, some people do like to, you know, Hire people and handle that, but um, I have to say I'm very impressed. It's it's a fantastic website. I think that's that's great information. Since you're handling your own website, do you handle your own marketing too, or do you have anyone else help you with that?
0: I also do my own marketing, and I do that through Wix. You can create uh, templates, you can create uh, emails that you send out to your contacts with your branding. And um, I was taught well at Carlton Fields by the marketing department. So <laughs> through the years, I kind of learned how to put that together. And then, you know, you can always Google and see what other people are doing uh, to get ideas. But Wix also has uh, galleries and templates that you can look at to to help with that. So I did it all through Wix.
1: Okay, that's fantastic. And let's just change gears a little bit. Um, I just want to talk about your office space and what type of office space you initially started off with. And do you have the same type of office space now? And I mean that, did you rent out like a shared space or did you have your own space or did you work from home or um, if you could just share some details on that?
0: Sure. I have a virtual law firm. So I work from home. My thought was to do that initially, and then as work picked up, I thought I might transition to an office space. But as it turned out, I I never needed to do that. There are a couple of other solo small firm attorneys that I work with on a regular basis. And so when I am working with them on a matter, particularly Uh, in my role doing litigation and trial support, gearing up a case for trial, I might work from their office and they would give me space in one of their empty offices or in a conference room uh, to work from. And so I I have done that uh, for those kinds of matters, you know, especially as you're preparing for trial or as you're working on a trial. Uh, But I never really needed to have my own separate office space. And so I continued to work from home. And so when COVID hit, I was very thankful because I was already completely set up and there was no need for me to do anything different.
1: Okay. And that, I mean, that's great. And and we, you know, we do get a lot of calls from people that are considering, you know, working remotely, but they're not sure if it's going to work, but it sounds like it's I mean, it's working out well for you. Um, so that's that's fantastic. Um, and certainly another way to keep your overhead low. You don't have to worry about renting or, or any of that. So that's that's perfect. Yes. Of course,
0: having an appellate practice, I think it's easier to do that. And I think that's something that folks need to consider when they're trying to decide whether they want to go virtual or not is the extent to which they might need office space to meet with clients. Now, mm-hmm. I tend to get my matters referred to me from trial counsel or um, general counsel at corporations. And so, so there's very little need for me to meet face to face. I typically, even when I was at, at Carlton Fields, never had to meet in an office with a client. For the most part, we spoke on the phone, we teleconferenced, or I went to them and their office uh, in order to to speak with them or collaborate and what have you. So there, there really has never been that need for me to have the space to meet with a client. Um, I think in the time that I've been on my own, which is since 2016. I've met on two different occasions with clients. And what I did was I simply went to trial counsel's office and met with them there. So it wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. So that is sort of a consideration for folks. I think it's very, press, it, it depends on your type of practice, uh, how easily you can go completely virtual or not.
1: Right. But having that option where you can go somewhere and meet, that works too. But definitely it, in your situation, it, it You know what you're doing, it works perfect. It sounds like. So you are in a different area of law, but did you, um, how did you decide on your, your billing? We, do you do flat fee billing or um, advance fee upfront type of billing? Just in general, how did you handle that? We get a lot of questions on how, how people should handle that.
0: I bill by the hour. And I always ask for an upfront retainer and I make that retainer large enough to cover what, what I anticipate the fees would be for uh the the initial tasks that I'm going to perform and definitely to cover the first couple of months of my engagement. And once that retainer is it comes is getting close to being exhausted, I ask for an additional retainer. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty consistent with what I did at my former firm. I, I built by the hour there. So it, it was what I was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And I began um, when I opened my practice at the hourly rate that I had at my previous firm. And then each year I continued to increase that rate, which is consistent with the increase in workload. So as I received more work and became busier and didn't really have that much time to take on more matters, my rate began going up.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you have to do anything with a trust account or how do you handle, um, handle that? Or do you just have a, a regular operating account?
0: I have both an operating account and a trust account. Um, I don't really need to use the trust account that often. I do when I receive a retainer that I'm, that I am billing against. That's not an, an initial earned retainer upfront. So in, in, the, in those instances where I'm re- receiving a retainer for both fees and, and costs and it's a large uh, retainer. That I'm going to bill against, then that I would use the trust account for, of course. It was, um, and actually that's one of the things that I sort of feared thinking about going on my own. I always worried about, you know, the trust account mm-hmm. and compliance issues and, and, and doing everything that the Florida bar required. It was sort of like the scary thing. Because when you're with a large firm, you know, you you have a whole department and general counsel that sort of oversees everything in that regard. And you don't really have to worry about it. And they kind of sort of put the fear in you about mm-hmm. how, you know, you can make so many mistakes. But, you know, there are just so many resources that the Florida Bar has to really walk you through what the requirements are and what it is that you need to do in that regard, that it's really not at all difficult. You know, there's so many CLEs that the Florida Bar does. The solo and small firm section definitely puts on CLEs on trust accounting issues. I know that there are some on legal fuel as well. They're all excellent. And they're, they're really all that you need to really learn how how to comply and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then you can also automate your practice in, in a way to ensure that compliance. So for example, I, ha- I use Clio for my case management and mm-hmm. billing and I use QuickBooks for my accounting and they're synced with each other mm-hmm. and with my trust account and my operating account. So that they're all sort of double checking uh, me or triple checking me, so to speak, and then of course, I also have my accountant who is another backup.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned all of that because we do receive calls and and people say exactly what you just said that I want to start my own practice, but the trust accounting it makes them hesitate, you know, to get started. But as you mentioned, you know we're at the Florida Bar, you know we have. People that are that want to help. And, you know, if you have questions, you know, certainly, you know, give us a call at the Practice Resource Center. We have a lot of resources. We have, you know, several CLE videos that you can watch that are fantastic on maintaining your trust account. And we have a whole section on our webpage that's dedicated to running your trust account and just. You know an FAQ page and links to the rules and you know ethics opinions. So we have it all there, and we you know we have our ethics hotline, um, our ethics department, and they're there to assist with interpreting the rules. So I'm glad that you you mentioned all of that because it we don't want it to be scary, and and there is a lot of information you know to help everyone get started. And you answered one of my um, next questions was which type of practice management software you use. So it's um, it sounds like Cleo that's working out well for you. Did you always have Cleo, or did you start with another software?
0: I started with Clio. It was recommended to me by a couple of the other attorneys who who have solo practices, and they were all very satisfied with Cleo. And so I began by just using a. One of their free trials, and I found it to be very user friendly and easy to use and so i I've been using it um ever since I've been on my own,
1: okay, that's great, and I just want to mention too Clio is one of our member benefits, so a lot of people i've I've noted realized they're not aware of our member benefits page that we have on um the Florida Bar website, so we have a whole page just dedicated to member benefits and Clio is on there. And, you know, please go take a look at all of that. And a lot of, a lot of what we offer on our member benefits page, you know, some of them have discounts. Um, many of them have discounts for our members. So, It's a great place just to go look and check that out.
0: I can be a little cheerleader for you there on their member benefits page. It is absolutely excellent. And there are so many discounts and little freebies that you can get. And I definitely took advantage of that when I started my practice. I mean, there's even freebies for selling, setting up your corporation Mm -hmm. and so forth. So it's it's definitely very, very beneficial.
1: Yes, we have um, corporate creations on there as one of our member benefits, so they will they will help you set up your your corporate structure. So definitely, just go take a look. I mean, there's it's discounts for everything, whether it's health insurance, you know, travel, anything. We have a lot of um, great things on there, and especially if you are in a solo practice, I think it's it's a great place to go take a look. Kind of going back to just managing your own you know, your own practice, you know, you mentioned that you are able to work remotely, but do you have any other tips you can share as far as like keeping your overhead low? Did you decide to go ahead and buy like your own office equipment, such as, you know, printers and things like that? Or do you rent? Have you um, figured out a way that's, that works best for you? Well, I already
0: sort of worked from home a lot before I went on my own, you know, even working at Carlton Fields. I, I tended to work remotely because I worked throughout the state and sometimes even out of state. And so I just continued doing the same thing in that regard. I already had a home office. I already had a printer and a scanner. I did get my own new laptop. And then uh, as the time went on, I kind of figured out, you know, what else I would need and I sort of purchased things as needed. But there's, there's been very little that I've needed in that regard, um, because I do have an appellate practice and, you know, we do everything electronically for the most part. The only time that I ever have to send something out is, for example, if I'm filing a brief in the 11th Circuit, which they still require, you know, that you print out and and bind your briefs and mail them in. And so I use an outside service for that. Uh, But otherwise, I just pretty much do everything myself with very little equipment and very little need for any
1: overhead. Okay. Well, that's that's perfect. Um, As far as getting your you know, your technology setup, this is another question we get. Did you have an IT person help you um, just install any software or help with data backup, any of that? But but it does sound like you've done a lot on your own. So I wouldn't be surprised if you were able to handle this on your on your own too.
0: I sort of did it on my own, but I did have help from my brother. My okay. brother is an uh, absolute tech whiz. And so he's remote, but he's able to remote in and proxy into my computer and help me set things up. So I have um, Microsoft Office set up with Outlook, Word, and so forth. And that's compatible with and interacts with Clio, which, like I said, is my case management software. Uh, software, they have everything up in the cloud. Mm-hmm. So that I don't have to worry about backing things up and they're redundant to each other. So they're both in the Clio cloud and it's also up in the Microsoft cloud. I used Microsoft Teams, which is a great way to collaborate with other attorneys and also with my legal assistant paralegal, where we can simultaneously be working on the same documents and edit the same documents. Uh, I can share access to client files and folders and so forth that way.
1: Okay. Well, perfect. And so you have mentioned that you do collaborate with other attorneys. So did you find a network for yourself where you can share referrals and and things like that? Uh, Can you just share a little bit about how you handle that?
0: Sure. Well, in terms of the practice that I had at and Fields, in addition to the traditional appellate work uh, that I do, I did a lot of litigation support uh, with both attorneys at the firm as well as with attorneys at other firms. So I, I would co-counsel with trial lawyers at other firms. Throughout, Not only throughout the state, but throughout the country. And so I had this established network of attorneys who knew me and who, who knew how I worked and were accustomed to working with me. And so that has become my network. Um, all my cases have, for the most part, come from attorneys that I practiced with at my firm and who, like me, also left the firm. Or other, uh, or attorneys at other firms that, that I worked with, uh, in my years of practice. And then another referral source for me has been the contacts that I've made through my, um, Florida bar work and the, the organizations that I've been involved with. So I, um, I, I became involved with the Florida Bar very early on. I was on the Young Lawyers Division, Board of Governors, and that really allowed me to to build relationships and really friendships with other attorneys throughout the state. And so I, I get referrals um, from that network. I was also involved with the ABA and so I have other uh, contacts throughout the country that also refer work um, to me uh, when they happen to have matters in, in Florida. And so that network w- was there already before I went on my own, and that's what I've uh, been lucky enough to be able to rely on.
1: And. For anyone that's maybe just starting maybe right out of law school and they want to start their own practice, I mean, do you recommend getting involved in all of those um, different associations so they can build their network? I mean, it sounds like it's been very helpful just just to have even just a group of friends and support, and then it can also help with, you know, referrals, too.
0: Yes, definitely. I I recommend getting involved with the Florida Bar, getting involved with the Young Lawyers Division on the statewide level, but also at the local level with the local voluntary bars. You know, for example, the Miami-Dade County Bar Association, the Broward County Bar Association, you know, and they all have their solo sections as well. And of course, the Florida Bar solo and small firm section is is a great resource. It's, It's a great place to to network, to meet other solo practitioners, not only in your practice area, but in other practice areas, because oftentimes that's where your referrals are going to come from. They're going to come from other solo and small firm attorneys that perhaps practice in a different area where that they have a conflict and so they can't keep the case or they have clients with other needs that they can't service. And so I think that that's a great way to build your network, especially very early on.
1: Yeah, definitely. And another thing I just want to put out there too is, you know, we have a lawyer referral service. So that's another great way to build your practice. Um, you can find more information about that on the um, Florida Bar website, but that definitely it's it's $125, I believe, you know, to to sign up and, you know, that's for the year and another way to generate referrals if you're getting started. So I, I recommend that everyone, you know, check into that as well. So um, in addition, you know, as we had mentioned, I had mentioned earlier, you are the chair elect of the solo and small firm section um, for the Florida Bar, and you're very involved in associations and groups. How do you find time to balance all of your roles? Um, and, it, and it certainly sounds like it's helped you as, you know, being in your solo practice, but how do you find time to balance your work and be involved and, and, and have, um, just a balance?
0: Well, first is something I've always done. So from the time I first started practicing, I, I became involved with different organizations. It's something that I enjoy doing. It's, a great way to to meet people and to build friendships and just to feel like you're doing something for the profession and for and for your community, depending on what you're getting involved in. So, you know, for example, when I started practicing, I was at the 4th District Court of Appeal. And so I volunteered with Palm Beach Legal Aid and doing their intake. And from there, I went on uh, to volunteer and serve on the board for Florida Legal Services. And that was such personally gratifying work Um, and, and balanced out later on my work at a firm where I was predominantly representing corporate clients as opposed to individuals who have those day-to-day needs. And and so it was just very gratifying and uplifting work to be able to do that. And then, of course, it also results in in increasing your network and building uh, that referral uh, network down the line so it's something that i definitely encourage and it's something that it's not just personally fulfilling but also it's great for your bottom line yeah. uh, as as you practice and as you develop your your professional reputation and your career
1: okay yeah that's good good tips for sure one thing i did notice on your website is that you have a blog and you also have um, several publications, so you can can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Sure, I set up the blog through Wix.com again, um, and it
0: began with articles that I had already uh, written and published in in when when I was with my former firm. That's something that I always um, did. I, I enjoy writing, of course. I'm an appellate practitioner, so I love to read and write. And um, those are the articles that I use to populate my blog. And, you know, when you first start your practice, you have a little bit of downtime as you're getting the your referrals and new cases in. And so I used that time to draft articles so that I would have them in the bank and then I could publish them Mm -hmm. um, when I got a little bit busier and perhaps I wouldn't have time to draft articles. Uh, so that's one of the things that I sort of did to kind of prepare early on um, and, and set up the firm and and set up that it's you know, I kind of see it as marketing. And I also encourage folks, you know any anytime you write one article to try and repurpose it, right? So that you're not recreating the wheel. Mm-hmm. So you can write on the same topic in different ways. So, for example, if you look at my blog, I have a number of articles on jury instructions that I've, um, some are longer and some are much shorter and some are aimed at young lawyers and some are aimed at practitioners who've been uh, doing this a little bit longer. Uh, But they're all on that same topic. And that's a topic that actually draws a lot of people uh, to my website and has brought me new clients because jury instructions. system that's something that trial lawyers tend to always struggle with, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're at trial, the trial's drawing to a close, and they want to focus on their closing argument. They don't want to focus on the nitty gritty of, you know, researching and drafting jury instructions. But that happens to be one of the things I love doing. I, I, I enjoy that very much. Okay. So you'll see a lot of articles on my blog blog on jury instructions. So, you know, think about the, topics like that, that you enjoy, and that you can repurpose and and publish in, in different places, because those articles are not just on my blog. I've also made sure that they're also published either, you know, in a Florida Bar newsletter, the Florida Bar Journal, or an ABA publication.
1: Okay, excellent. And of course, you know, we mentioned the solo and small firm section. Can you tell our listeners some benefits to joining um, the section and and how this can help them?
0: Well, a great benefit is that, you know, you really get to network and interact with other solo and small firm practitioners throughout the state on a frequent basis. And so that's just great in terms of learning how other people are practicing and getting ideas, but also just having like friends that you can hang out with we're sort of going through the same struggles that, that you're going through and you can kind of support each other and encourage each other. So from a, a personal perspective, it's it's absolutely great. And also from just a practical perspective, it's great because you know, we have, for example, free CLEs as a member benefit. And so, and we have frequent CLEs. So you can, you know, get those CLE credits in, um, very easily. And they're usually, well, they're always on topics that are relevant to solo and small firm attorneys, right? Just how to set up your practice and technology and new apps and trust accounting and all those issues that, you know, we're always sort of dealing with and struggling with. And we also have a closed Facebook group that people can go to. And if they have a question, you know, like, has anyone ever drafted a motion on this topic? Or, you know, I have a referral. Does anyone practice in this area? That sort of thing. You can go there and use that as as a resource.
1: Okay, perfect. So if, if we have anyone that's interested in joining, they can just go on the um, floridabar.org and we have a tab where it has sections. So you can find the solo and small firm section and it will have information about becoming a member. And it sounds like there's a lot of fantastic benefits and just a great way to build your support network. So I I love that. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you so much, Christina Alonzo, for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Um, Christina, if our listeners would like to take a look at your website or read your blog or publications, where should they go to find this?
0: Sure. They can go to alonzoappeals.com. And that's spelled A-L-O-N-S-O-A-P-P-E-A-L-S.com. Okay.
1: Perfect. If you like what you've heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Jamie Moore. Until next time, thank you for listening.
0: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bar's podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.